This is Random Discourse, the podcast. Um, we're back. I know um, our, our NBA uh, discussion is supposed to be a little earlier in the week, but we had some scheduling conflicts, so I got Anton with me. Um, we're missing Brian. He's uh, got some family things going on, so it'll just be the two of us again. So I don't know if you if you like hearing our voices or if you do not like hearing our voices, but either way, I don't care. And I'm quite sure Anton doesn't care. Do you care, Anton? I care, man. I want to know what the people think, man. Like, you know, I miss the popularity. I want to know that the people love me. Uh, that's true. You, you, you've always had an affinity for the people and the, you, you, you have to have the people's blessing before need, you do anything. I need the love, bro. You know, I, I'm i not saying I don't need the love, but I don't need their, the love doesn't signify uh, my, my passion to be able to, to do this. That's all I'm saying. So I'd like to thank everybody for uh, tuning in to the Random Discourse Podcast, Sports Podcast. Um, I'm I'm your host Darrington. Of course, I got uh, Mr. Please Say the D Anton um, with me. We're gonna be discussing some basketball stuff here. Uh, more so, the things we want to focus on today is the change in power that's going on within the NBA from the Western Conference to the Eastern Conference. And I know there's been a lot of talk about the Golden State Warriors and their phenomenal start to the season, but also the, I, I, I would just like to focus on the, that five out system uh, that some like to call it where they put nothing but ball handlers and shooters on the, on the floor and kind of spread these the teams out and to see who, who really will at the end of the day, will be able to match up with them. Not uh, potential as far as, you know, end up in the championship, just teams that if they play them, they have the best possible, they have the best possibility to be able to match up with them, so to speak. Um, also, um, did you see that DeAndre Jordan um, throw in last night, man? I, I, I just want to start with that. I'm getting tired of people calling uh, these big men or whatever, throwing the ball in the basket when they try to jump over somebody and they jump too far away from the basket, telling them uh, that they're dunking on people. No, it's a glorified layup. You know what I mean? It's very emphatic, though. So you got to appreciate what they're doing. But it, it's clearly not a dunk. You know, it's like, so I think some hand has to be on rim, like, to justify the name dunk. You know what I mean? Like, but, you know, it does not make it any less nasty when you're watching the replay because it was absolutely disgusting. It was not disgusting, man. I'm, I'm going to tell you this. I could tell, like, when I saw it, I was like, what is this dude doing? There's no way in God's green earth that he was going to – He even if the man wasn't in front of him, he wasn't dunking that ball. Yeah. He, he wasn't dunking it. So I don't know what he was doing. I guess it was just a, a showboat thing. I, what, you want to get fouled and you think just running and jumping is going to give you the best uh, shot at being able to at least get two points because we know you're going to miss that free throw, DeAndre Jordan. There's a – there's a 60% chance that you're missing that free throw. Well, I just think that, you know, it's DeAndre Jordan. You know, I'm not acting as if he is a physicist or anything. 
but I don't think he gets the whole physics of when he runs into another body that he won't propel at the same rate as when he jumps. Because I know, I think he had every intention on that being a dunk. But like Greg Monroe was at least a foot outside of the circle. And that just ain't going to happen, baby. You know what I mean? It's just not going to happen at all from mm-hmm. a point. So, uh, you know, but I watched it. I enjoyed it. I probably watched it four or five times back to back because it was, <laughs> it, was, it, was it was entertaining. It was entertaining, you know? Uh, I'm with you. But give me some real dunks. You know, give me something where, you know, I see somebody get – put on a poster so to speak that uh, at the end of the day greg monroe will not end up on a poster for that throw in there will be a poster because that like, is not yeah. going to be a poster man yeah like because a poster the still shot you don't have to see the the clothes the finish Hold on. so what what are you telling me that whoever took the picture and put it on a poster they're not going to show the point any point of where they were on the court they're just going to have that shot from probably like knee level holding the ball and you see the basket and greg monroe sitting in there that's what it's going that's, to be a poster that's, that's, that's it you know what i mean that's what a, that's what a picture is that's what that's what we, that's what we've come to now because remember back in the day the posters used to actually have the man like oh, yeah, the ball almost going, either the ball in the rim or in the basket or are the man's arm heading down and you can just see the sheer horror on the other person's face that they that you know they were getting dunked on. Oh, there was horror on Greg Monroe's face. Don't don't get it twisted. Don't I mean, I think the horror face. was the fact that is this dude really going to try to run through me to dunk this? I think that's what the horror was. Please don't hurt me. Uh-huh. So, you know, but talking about uh, Greg Monroe and the Milwaukee Bucks. um, Go ahead. Sorry about that. No, I was saying talking about Greg Monroe and the Milwaukee Bucks, uh, they're they're part of the the East resurgence. Granted, the Bucks right now are a sub-500 team, and they haven't looked like they built on what what they had uh, growing with Jason Kidd last season. Um, they're part of the reason why the East, I, I feel, has has started to to shift that balance of power and take that away from the West, among amongst other things. But as you see, the the East, their their babies are finally starting to grow up. The talent is starting to mature, and all those years of just having some of the worst teams in the NBA is starting to pay off. Even even a team like the Knicks. The Knicks aren't that good, but going out and being able to draft somebody like Christophe Porzingis is, uh, has been very beneficial to them and their timeline as far as be, being a better team. Absolutely, absolutely. Because when you look at the East, you know, three years ago, uh, you would call it the JV League, you know, even as short as last year, you've gotten eight seeds with losing records. So to see that you have over eight teams in the Eastern Conference that have double-digit wins at this point in the season is is very refreshing for the league. And also, the, the win-loss record is what really tells the story where uh, you won't see those inflated records in the West because – they're playing 500 ball against the East instead of 700 ball against the, against the East. And that's going to make a major difference when it comes record time at the end of the season. Uh, but what I feel that the East finally embraced 
something that the West has been doing for years. And that specific thing is pace of play. You know, you have four teams in the East that are in the top 10 in pace of play. And that is starting to trickle down into better winning records, more productivity from a standpoint. When you have all these athletes that can't shoot, you need to run. And I think that teams in the East have finally started to go away from that ground and pound kind of game where you're showing in the high 80s, low 90s to scoring over 100 points a game. And that's made a very big difference in the watchability of the East. You know, let I, I, go ahead. I can see, I can see that um, exactly what you're saying. You don't let, you do have more teams that are that are starting to, to open up a little more and to be to, to to give a little bit more exciting brand of basketball like they do in the West. I think a lot of that has to do with um, better coaching within the East because you have to you have uh, guys like David Blatt that have come along. I mean, as much as people want to don't want to give David Blatt any credit or Eric Spolcher or Brad Stevens uh, with the <clears throat> excuse me, with the um, with the Celtics and even Mike Budenholzer with the with the Hawks. I mean, it's a style of play that they that they've implemented where, you know, that ball moves around and it, it's one allowing them to, to create open shots. And two, it also they also allow their teams to press that ball to push the ball up the court, which can lead to easy, easy buckets, as you were saying, with the, the athletes that the East has been drafting. Um, but I mean, it's, it's just one of those things where right now I would say the East has some of the more dominant players in, in the league. I know the West still has probably the best player and they have three of the top five players in the league, but as far as pound for pound, or I shouldn't even say pound for pound, but if you match up position for position, the East is just as comparable as the West. Yeah, and what the East does not have that the West has, uh, the West is is more point guard driven than the East, you know, by far. You know what I mean? Like, you can't survive in the West without a, a point guard that can really go out there and get the job done. Where the East has been... Uh, you know, their forte has been their wing players have been very productive when you have the likes of LeBron James, of course. But then you also have you have your Bradley Bill, you have Paul George, who's having, you know, if there was a, there wasn't the name Steph Curry out there, he's having an MVP season uh, thus far, you know, fresh off of an injury. Uh, so I think the East has and then the big men. You know, the talent that you have with the young Jaleel Okafor, although troublesome, you have Andre Drummond, who's out there averaging 16 and 19. You, you, you're you seeing some of the positions that don't really shine in the West, getting some, you know, getting some, you know, some major players in the East at those positions. You know, although they don't have the same level of play at the point guard position. I mean, well, well uh, and that is true. Uh, the, the the West is still point guard uh, dominant. And I don't think that's going to, well, I shouldn't say I don't think that's going to change that you will see, start to see a change in that because a lot of the point guards that are dominating in the West are starting to get a little older, like say your Chris Pauls, your Tony Parkers, 
um, so to speak. Uh, Steph, Steph Curry is still very young. Mike Conley is still young. And, you know, they're, they're very good. And you have Rajon Rondo, who's trying to resurrect um, a career where a lot of talent, uh, executives and scouts are a little down on him and have started to sour on him because, one, he still isn't a um, even a slightly respectable shooter. And it still seems to be that at times when he's playing the game of basketball, he's more about getting his stats than actually making the right plays and passes. Yeah. No, I agree with that. Um, but, you know, just looking at that this shift, it, there it seems to be that, you know, there, there are multiple factors. One, you know, like we were just talking about the talent and uh, the coaching. But also, there, there's a lot of underachieving going on in the West right now. If you talk about the Houston uh, Rockets, you, you talk about the New Orleans Pelicans, and even some, even in some regard, the Phoenix Suns, who aren't playing as well as people would have thought they would have played uh, at this point in the season. And I think that's that's all that's had a lot to do with you know one the East getting. Eastern Conference teams getting more confident confident when playing Western Conference teams because a lot of times, like in the past, you could see that even though it may not show, but you know it was in the back of their minds as far as with the uh, – that they knew that there was a, a chance that they weren't going to win um, those games against Western Conference teams just because they were outmanned and outmatched. No, absolutely. Absolutely. There used to be a clear difference. When you when you talk about underperforming, I want to say it starts at the top in the Western Conference. The Oklahoma City Thunder should not have lost eight games at this point in the season. You know, when you look at that roster with Katie coming back, and, and, and but, you know, they do have a new head coach. But with Golden State being as dominant as they are, and then you see the top two players that are on the Oklahoma City squad with Katie and Russell Westbrook, you're just wondering why have they lost eight games so far? You know, maybe four or five. They're not playing dominant ball for 48 minutes. And and they're still not moving the ball around as much as I would like. So they're, and they're playing at a very fast pace. They're still in the top ten with pace. Their true shooting percentage is over 55. But they're not they're – not, providing those performances that give me something to write home about. And I'm wondering when they're going to be able to kick it in, if they're going to be able to kick it in, and what what's going to need to be done because they have a starting five that I will put up against anybody, but defensively will they be able to hold up? And that's been their struggles. You know, that's why they've been underwhelming. You know, I've been very surprised how quickly uh, San Antonio has been able to, you know, kind of coast through this season and do extremely well uh, while acclimating LaMarcus Aldridge to their offense. Uh, But, you know, there's just teams out west that just aren't getting it done, and it starts at the top, you know, after the top two with the Golden State Warriors and the San Antonio Spurs. I mean, you did touch on something as far as with the the Oklahoma City Thunder. I I don't think the Thunder right now are too worried about, one, having one of the best records, so to speak, in the NBA. I think they're more focused on being able to 
establish them establish um themselves within the system that the billy dominant billy donovan is is wanting to run um and i think that when they once that gets into play because you have to think they're only a quarter away through the season so it's easy to say oh they're not they're not playing well as of right now but all of that can change they could very easily go on a run where they win 10 12 straight games and and they're right back in the thick of things where we're looking back and they they go from having being 12 and 8 or 13 and 8 whatever their record is right now to being you know 20 and 8, 21 and 8, and or 30, 30 and 8, I should say, or 31 and 8. And the next thing you know, we're we're like, hey, this is the Thunder team we were expecting to see. Uh, a lot of the teams in the West right now, I think, uh, especially with the with the start that Golden State has had, aren't really focused on trying to trying to catch Golden State, but just getting better at, as a team. So when it comes down to playoff time, when you have to get go face a team like Golden State, team like the San Antonio Spurs in the West, respectively, that you have to be ready to play multiple styles of basketball because Golden State is going to make you go small and the Spurs can make can play just about any style of basketball, you know, there is because that's just the way Greg Popovich is, uh, coaches his team. No, no, absolutely. You know, in the beginning of the year, it's supposed to be for establishing an identity for the season. And I'm not holding it against these teams at this juncture, but we just have to be weary that this doesn't linger too long. They need to, you know, pretty much decide on a style of play and go forward with it. Um, Because we're, you know, one of the big topics that we're doing today is, you know, the way that Golden State manages its players, the playing time, it's, uh, you know, who they have on the floor together that works well. And I don't think very many teams have really played played with the lineups to get people with the right skill sets or complementary skill sets on the floor at the same time. Because I look at a team that's out in the East uh, doing very well so far in the Miami Heat. The Miami Heat are a team that could run two completely different styles depending on what unit is in the game. Uh, when you have a Dwayne Wade uh, with his injury history, his history of missing the amount of games that he has missed, you do have a set pace that you have to play at when he is in the game. But when you could necessarily take a Miami squad where you go out and you pay Goran Dragic the $86 million that you pay him uh, from the Phoenix Suns, and you need he wants to run you know they have a a team assembled where they could play tyler johnson at the two greg uh, gerald green at the three justice winslow at the four and then hassan whiteside or chris bosh or you know at the five and become a totally different style for teams to play against and and that's when regular season games are won Regular season games are won with the second units and how you manipulate the scoring during the times when your starters, quote unquote, need necessary rest. And so I think, you know, going to the point that we're, you know, really covering that the Miami Heat are a team that's built in and is structured in a way that they could run a very similar system where 
goes state where they have multiple styles that they can throw at you at any time and get some buckets. Uh, uh, you know, um, you mentioned the Miami Heat, and don't forget they have Luau Ding that they're able to throw out there as well. That could probably run some of the four, and not even, and and they could switch that up as well. They have Udonis Haslam that could come out there and run the five as well. Um, so they they have the parts. It's just a lot of things um, that, that uh, I was just I, I was going through, and I was just writing down the pieces that could possibly work well together. Um, from from the different teams and just going through just say basketball reference or nba.com and whatever just looking up stats of lineups and just to see who what lineups have played i was just doing just lineups that have played at least a minimum of 20 minutes together um throughout the first quarter of the season and there aren't too many lineups most teams usually have used a maximum of about 12 to 14 lineups and a lot of them when you look at that, they're your traditional lineups where they have at least two big men on the court um, and, you know, three wing players. And that's one thing that I think a lot of teams need to start looking at and really dissecting and trying to you experiment with during during the regular season. Because when you get to the playoffs, the playoffs is not the time to start experimenting and saying, hey, Let's let's throw five perimeter players on the court and see how well they play together. And if we can get, you know, get something going. Um, yeah. That's something the, that should be seen. A lot of Cavs in the in the NBA finals last year, you know, they wait till the NBA finals where they face a team like Golden State. And then they try to match up a, a makeshift lineup that can that can deal with the Draymond Greens at the five. But they you don't have any cohesiveness, no chemistry at that point. So you're not going to be as efficient as a team that's been doing this for 82 plus games. That's just well, not. Go ahead. go ahead. No, I was going to say, well, as far as last year, it was based off the necessity that the, the Warriors didn't even start doing that until the playoffs because it was a, it was a necessity type deal. They were like, look, we against the Memphis Grizzlies, they needed to find a way to break to break the, the the stranglehold that the Grizzlies had started to put on them by playing these traditional lineups because they, they weren't physical enough to play with the Grizzlies in that traditional lineup. And so they were like, let's try it. And that's how it came about. And now teams know that, hey, this is something that's going to be around for a while and the Warriors are consistently doing this and this is how they're, they're running out on teams. Not only that, but they're, they have the ability to put they, at all times they have four perimeter players on the on the court. You have to think about that when they start Draymond Green at at the four. They have four perimeter players on the court, and mm-hmm. that's one thing that a lot of teams don't have the luxury of doing of put of having four perimeter players on the court. And if they do have the luxury of doing more more so, coaches are are reluctant to do that because they feel that there's they seem to be stuck in that uh the traditional way of thinking and one coach that i will say say that say that that, that you know while i was going through just going back the thunder actually have when they put they put a lineup of kevin durant uh russell westbrook serge Ibaka, Dion waiters and uh anthony morrow on the floor and they actually score at a poor per 48 minute basis better than the better than the warriors 
they shoot just a little bit worse, but they play a whole lot better defense than that lineup does. And on a per 48 minute basis, I think they were they it was said they were they were scoring about 157 points if they played that lineup for 48 minutes. Now, granted, that's that's skewed and those lineups aren't going to be on there. But that tells you that they have that potential. To correct, do that. correct. Correct. And that and that lineup for OKC that you're mentioning, that is a very long lineup. You know, you you do have uh, four perimeter players, but you have KD at 6'10", 6'11". You have, you know, 6'11", uh, Serge Ibaka, so, and Anthony Morrow 6'8". So they have the size, the, well, the length to definitely play at that rate. And as you pointed out, they're per 48 minutes. They have, these are people that are looking to put the ball in the basket. They're going to score. But, you know, um, the GMs will adjust. And the GMs will start to draft accordingly. Uh, we were having a discussion off air where we're we're saying that skill sets are going to be very important. What is your NBA skill? And the NBA skill of shooting is going to become a premium. And Golden State is making it a premium. So you're going to see, you know, players that traditionally were bottom of the first round draft picks that are going to go higher, middle to late first, I mean, middle uh, to late lottery because they have the skill of shooting. You know, you have the, an Atlanta Hawks team who has a true shooting percentage of about 58, you know, because you have the Kyle Corvers, because Jeff T can knock down open shots, because Al Horford can knock down open shots. You're going to have to have every player on the floor has to be respected. And till teams draft accordingly, this year you don't have as many suitors to play that five-out system as you will in the coming two to three years. But I, I'm, you know, every professional sports league is a copycat league, and you will see teams emulate what they see in Golden State. It took teams forever to get along on the pace train, but you know when you have. The Golden State Warriors that have the second highest attendance rating from for road games in the league, uh, and like they they fill up ninety eight point six percent of the opposing arenas when they come to town, uh, owners will start to put pressure on other owners. Is that this is the brand of basketball that brings people to my arena, regardless of the record of my team? They're going to put you know, additional pressure out there. And the only team that fills more road, uh, you know, stadiums is the Lakers on Kobe's farewell, farewell tour. So you're, you're going to see a business pressure come from this as well, not only from a basketball sense, but it will make sense business-wise. I mean, I, I agree. Um, I I can see where you're coming from. I'm not sure if I, I can say I, I wholeheartedly agree that, you know, you'll see a business uh, biz, uh, changing the, the business structure from owners as far as mandating this happens. But I can see the GMs, you know, doing it because it will think about Draymond Green. It won't be a mandate, but it, it will be nudges. Yeah. Think about Draymond Green when he came out. He was a tweener. And a lot of people did not know what position he was going to play. And there's been a lot of NBA players that have gone by the wayside that tweeners. have been been tweeners that have been able to handle the rock that may not have been 
great defensively at the time, but were able to grow into that role or they were just tweeners and they played excellent basketball, but nobody wanted to give them a shot. And I think you'll see that as well. You'll see more tweeners start coming in where these kids are six, seven, six, eight. They end up playing power forward in college and trying to, you know, expand their game. But because they don't have a definite, they didn't have a definite position going into the NBA. That was something that held them back. And they ended up having to go play overseas where they have phenomenal careers. And as far as your point of from the sh- about shooting becoming a premium, I do agree with that. I think the shooting will be shooting and defense. Those are the two things that will be placed higher than others. Like, I don't don't care if you're athletic or anything else. You know, they've gotten to the point where everyone is athletic. You know, uh, we're looking at to the point where we're making, you know, you look at a Denzel Valentine who's at Michigan State. Five years ago, ten years ago, there's no way he's an NBA player. It's not even a question. You know what I mean? And now he has an NBA career in front of him because of this five-out system that people are going to have to implement. I mean, Denzel Valentine, he's earning himself a lot of money by being able to show he's versatile, showing, one, he can he can run an offense. Two, he's not afraid to get his nose down there and be able to rebound. And three, he's, he's made some big shots, and he's shown – and as he's progressed throughout his career at Michigan State that, you know, his jump shot has progressed and that he can be one of these players. Now, granted, he's not six, six, eight or six, nine. He's six foot. He's six, about six, five, six, six, maybe six, four, somewhere around there. So he is going to have to play a guard position. So he's going to have to show that he can be play. Uh, he's going to have to be quick, quick enough and be defensively capable. But I mean, yes, I do agree. He he he's making himself a lot of money, and he's showing, and he's earning himself a spot, at least a spot to be drafted. Now, what what you do in camp and everything else, that's going to keep him on the team. I think about the new NBA, and like you always, you kind of look back on, you know, prior the the prior NBA and the people that were just a little too early from a skill set standpoint, because uh, the classic case that I look at when I see the Golden State Warriors, when I see this new NBA. I think about someone who's, of course, been in the news, Lamar Odom. Like, if Lamar Odom was coming out of Rhode Island at a time like this, Lamar would have had the career that people always believed that he would have had because his versatility, being able to handle rock at 6'10". Like, you're going to have a premium on people that know the game of basketball. And and I love it. I love it. You can't You cannot look at the direction that the NBA is going and not be – impressed that the league is continuing to progress one uh two you're having a point where you're having players that are that are coming in contributing immediately and they don't have a defined position if you can play basketball we'll make we'll make you into something we'll get you something consistent so that's the nba that i'm looking forward to um because i like to see good basketball I mean, that, that NBA you're looking forward to is really being played right now in Boston. If you think about it, think of what Brad Stevens is doing with it, with the talent that he has on that team. If you give, uh, say, give somebody like Byron Scott that that yeah. type of talent. Byron Scott is not making the playoffs in the Eastern Conference. I'm sorry. The playoffs in the NBA DL. Well, that, that's another story. But, I mean, even give somebody like – 
let's see who else. I, I, it doesn't it really doesn't matter, but because then now we're starting yeah, to take. I, I, I just want to give all the credit to Brad Stevens in this case because he's been he's able to to you know um, make somebody like Kelly Olenek and Jared Sullinger and Tyler Zeller and pieces like that be respectable NBA players and have people fear them. Like he really has, he doesn't have the shooting on that team, but yet they continue to find a way yeah. to win. And and along with that, you, you you look at, you know, the laughing stock as a GM for the last ten years, uh, in Michael Jordan and like in the Charlotte Hornets. You know, they're they're shooting threes. Uh, I think they're in the top three or four in a, a three point shot attempts uh, per game. They they went out and made quality acquisitions with a Nick Batum. Uh, they played at a pace that is much faster. Uh, you know they are dealing with uh, Al Jefferson being Al Jefferson, uh, but you know they're playing a game of basketball that I if if Charlotte's on league pass, I'll watch a Charlotte game. Three years ago, there's no way in hell I'm watching a Charlotte game. No way. You know. No, and, and and I agree because I mean, think about it. Charlotte was Charlotte played a plotting, boring style, and now right now they're 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 seventeenth in pace, which is a whole lot better than what they used to be. But as far as point, they're they're one of the few teams that are in the top ten in offensive, defensive, right, and offensive and defensive rating as well. And I mean, and and, and it's just a testament of. The organization from the top down sticking to a plan and and working through it. Now, are they championship t- caliber? Hell no, no. But are they going to be a tough outcome time come playoff time? That's yet to be determined. But if they continue this, continue playing this well, then I think that that they may be. I mean, one of the underrated acquisitions for them was picking up Jeremy Lamb from uh, the Thunder. Getting getting him and signing him to an extension. I bet you the Thunder wish they had him back. Oh yeah. Oh absolutely. I bet you they. I bet you they wish they had him over uh, Dion Waiters all right day. now. All day, all day. You know, because when you let a player that can shoot the ball can get off at any time and isn't Dion Waiters, you have to go with that player. You know, instead of going with Dion Waiters, that that just goes without saying. But you know, enough because I don't need to go on the Dion Waiters diatribe because I will. And but like just looking at teams and the way that I like to see uh, basketball being played, I love the fact that the Eastern Conference is giving me games that I want to watch on a nightly basis because I don't want all the good games on League Pass to start at nine o'clock. You know, so. Mm-mm. I want to be – give me a reason to be upset that I missed the game at, that started at yeah. 7. Give me – because before it was like, oh. 7 o'clock games, you, you, you wouldn't even think about them. You know what I mean? Like It's like, it's like we, we got Boston and um, – it's like we got Boston and Charlotte playing. I don't want to watch that game. Now, oh, man, Boston and Charlotte playing. We yeah, got to watch this game. game. It's going to be some running. So, you know, I like where everything's going, uh, but – the the Golden State five and out system, there's just not a lot of teams that can run it, and that's why Golden State is so dominant. That's why I think they will be undefeated going into Christmas Day, uh, you know. And at this point, you know, seventy three is the number, you know, for Golden State. 
Uh, I don't know why 75 is not even out of the question for them. So, And it's insane at this point in the season we're talking about a team that has not lost a game. And But I'm not surprised. You know what I mean? Not surprised at all. Um, you know what? Um, I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to withhold judgment as far as them winning 73 games. I'm going to give them all the credit right now for their incredible start. But you have to think about it. They've only played eight teams with winning records. They haven't played any of the true contenders in the NBA as of yet. It, that that doesn't start until Christmas Day, and then we can really see what's going on. And they're going to be – and even on Christmas Day, you there will be some people say – there will be some, you know – people that will say well hey they're not playing they're not going to be playing a 100 cleveland uh cavaliers team because kyrie Irving may not be back and Amon Sherman may may not be back as Let's well say may because kyrie but, might play this friday against orlando from reports today that's why i said may yeah i mean until he plays it, it, it i can't believe it and and it, the closer that they get to you know 73 wins then our 70 wins then I'll start to say, "Hey, okay, they can do it." But until they get to that point, I'm going. I'm, I'm, I'm going to hold off on that. Do they have the the potential to do it? Of course. But I think any t- any team has the potential to do it at the start of the season. You never know what the hell could happen. Yeah, yeah. Because the Sixers can win seventy two, get three games. Okay. Okay, but not are, this Sixers. I'm just saying, words matter. Any team, any team. Let's be for real, though. I said before the season yeah, starts. Yeah. I said at the start of the season. At the start of the season. Hey, you never know. The Sixers, hey, what if the Sixers would have yeah. came out and they just had some players that yep. would have, that, that would have yep. caught on fire? Yep. Yep. Okay. Um, okay. All right. All right. But, yeah. All right. Um, but I, what I wanted to ask you, and I know it's not on our agenda, is that is there a player – that is playing at a level at this point, you know, we're a quarter of just past the quarter of mark that you did not see coming or they're playing better than, than you expected. Just one player. And who would that be? I was Andre Drummond. I was expecting him to play well, but I wasn't expecting him to be, to play as well as he's playing right now. I mean, his, his, what he's doing, I mean, hasn't been done by players since, like Chamberlain and them playing exactly like like he's going out and grabbing 19 rebounds a game or 20 rebounds a game on consecutive nights that that just doesn't happen like the last person that had 20 consecutive rebounding games prior to him like like 20 rebounding games consecutively like this I would say what is Dennis Rodman and that's only because that's what he focused on doing he didn't even try to score no well I I'm gonna put a point to that because like uh, at the the game before Kevin Love had his thirty one and thirty one game, he had twenty boards the night prior. So I'm a, I'm a call on that one. And uh, but 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 Kevin Love isn't doing but, this consistently, but on, man. But on a consistent basis, you're absolutely right. My player this year, and, and I'm going back out to Rip City and CJ McCollum, like because like okay. before the season, I was like, where are the buckets going to come from? When you lose West Matthews and you lose L.A. and C.J. McCollum, you know, of course he had that great first game of the season, but he has been a running partner for the dog Dame all year. So I just wanted to give C.J. a shout-out because, boy, I see. 
You know what I mean? And I like what you're doing. Keep on being aggressive. No, I, I, I could go with that, too, because uh, CJ has played well. He's he's had he's been injured um, earlier in, you know, in the first couple of years of his career. And a lot of people weren't sure what they were going to get from him. But him and Dame have have, have made a uh, lethal backcourt combination um, up with with um, Portland. Now, Portland just needs some frontcourt help. And, you know, that may be they may get that as far as. Um, um, the maturation of um, uh, Noah Vonley and, but, you know, seeing what else they may have as the season goes on. But oh yeah, you never know. Never know, man. So, yeah, I, before we close, I just wanted to see what your surprise guy was. I, I, I mean, right now, I, I, you know, I like see, I like, there's a, there's a, a lot of guys that ha- are playing well, yeah. but, um, that, that uh, Andre Drummond really uh, stepped out of me. I wish he would find a way to make some more free throws because if he could make uh, some more of those free throws, his numbers would be even even It'd better. Be 2020. Like It'd be he, 2020. he would, he'd be very close to a twenty twenty guy. And and the last time that's happened, I'd I'd have to look it up. But it's been a very 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 I'll long time. Will. I would probably say will, but yeah, will our our bill at hell bill didn't even. Wasn't even a 2020 no, guy. He wasn't scoring. Probably Will. Yeah. Will, Elvin Hayes, somebody like that. Moses. Uh, yeah. Maybe. Yeah, I think Moses might have been. Maybe. I don't think Moses ever went 2020. But, yeah. For a it season. Could, it could happen. You know? So, yeah, man. So, what can the people find me? Where? Uh, can they, I don't know. You tell them where they can find you. You Don't be asking me. I am. I'm not going to put your business out in the street. Why can't they find you? You know, they can find me anywhere you say the D. Just please say the D, baby. Anywhere you want on social media, I got them all. Yeah. So hit me up. Call support. Um, you can find me at Darrington G. Uh, and you can find the show on SoundCloud under Random Discourse. You look up Random Discourse, you'll be able to find all the latest episodes, all our bas- our NBA conversations, all our college football conversations, and um, any other conversation that we may have. Uh, I appreciate everybody for listening. Uh, you join in live because, of course, we are we we do this live on thir- Tuesday and Thursday um, on, at eight thirty p.m. Eastern time. If you listen to this on the West Coast, so that's five thirty on the West Coast. So you might not be able to tune in because you're at work. Are stuck in that nasty LA traffic. Yeah, you can hit us up on the drive home and just listen. Um, (laughs) Always stay safe. No, 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 no texting and driving. Actually, that's illegal in California. So you legal in California, dog. It's like real. You gotta have a Bluetooth headset to be on the phone. It's real out there. Yeah, it's real out there. Yeah, or connect your phone, or connect your phone to the car, and you better be talking. But um, as always, we appreciate uh, the support, the love um, from everybody. And um, thank you again. And we're out.